Welcome to your upfront moment. We're building a confidence revolution. to your upfront moment. This week I'm joined by Saul Escobar who is the founder and the CEO at Give Your Best. While Saul was born and raised in Uruguay she's lived over half of her life outside her home country. Saul has always been outraged by the fact that her journey to the UK is seen as an adventure whereas for people who have had to flee for their lives they are often viewed or portrayed as criminals. So with a strong passion for supporting and raising awareness of refugees experiences Saul developed Give Your Best, an award-winning tech-for-good social enterprise platform where people and brands donate clothes for refugees to shop for free with the choice and the dignity that they deserve. Saul shares with us the moment that changed the course of her life when she volunteered at a refugee camp in northern France. She talks about the importance of connecting and deeply listening to the people with lived experience of the problem that you want to solve. Her vision for helping the world and society see refugee women as the beautiful, confident and empowered people that they are is really moving and compelling. They are restoring confidence in women one item of clothing at a time. And Saul's story is such a brilliant example of turning frustration, anger or hopelessness into action. So if you are feeling frustrated, hopeless, angry, this episode will help you think about how you can channel that energy for good. If you are somebody who's got maybe one or two things in your wardrobe that don't fit you anymore, that you keep thinking you'll take to a charity shop and you keep forgetting, keep listening. Welcome to Upfront Moments All. I'm so happy to see you again. How are you? Hi, Lauren. So nice to see you as well. I'm doing great. Excellent. So we are here to talk about all things, give your best confidence, fashion, social impact. But I want to first ask you about the fashion show that happened just a couple of weeks ago. I so wish I could have been there. Tell us, well, first of all, tell us who you are, what Give Your Best is, and then take me to that fashion show because I want to hear all about it. Absolutely. Still riding the hide a little bit because it was only a few weeks ago and it was such a huge undertaking. So my name is Sol Escobar and I am the founder of Give Your Best. And Give Your Best is a tech for good social enterprise that offers the first peer-to-peer donation platform where people and brands can donate clothes very easily and online so that communities living in clothing poverty can shop entirely for free with the choice and the dignity that they deserve. And currently we support primarily women and children, refugee women and children, people seeking asylum, victims of trafficking, families escaping domestic violence. So quite a vulnerable community that, you know, usually has not very much more than the clothes that they're wearing. And Give Your Best was launched by me about three years ago in one of the great lockdowns of 2020. And it was simply a page on Instagram with my clothes 
wanting to support the women and children that I was already supporting through a different charity at the time. And it all really just started with a project to try to help that community. And I would have never imagined that it would grow to what it has become today, which is a a full-fledged social enterprise with a huge team doing all sorts of amazing projects, one of which is our fashion show, which is called The Good Fashion Show. And we started it last year. The first one that we hosted was last year. And the one this year was only a couple of weeks ago. And it was really big. And it was such an amazing display of empowerment. And the idea behind the fashion show is it's twofold. So on the one hand, we want to celebrate the women in our community, the women and children from our community. This year, we had a lot of children modeling as well. So every model in the show is refugee women and children from the community. And we also want to highlight the power of fashion for good. So we engage with a lot of brands who each brand dresses a different model and they also gift the clothes to the models. And so the idea is to use the power of fashion for good to empower these women and children, to celebrate them and to also raise awareness about that a refugee can also be that. It can be a beautiful, confident, empowered person that is having a great time. And we try to that way also combat a little bit the negative rhetoric that surrounds immigration and refugees, etc. that unfortunately seems to be the norm in media. So we try to change perceptions that way. Amazing. It sounds like it was a big success. So huge well done I'm sure your team are all still on cloud nine slash exhausted we're still resting I would say after that so why do you think it's important that we talk about confidence in the context of your work well interestingly one of the pillars of what we do is to restore that confidence that agency that choice, that sense of control, one item of clothing at a time. Because what we find is that a lot of people see fashion or clothes as superfluous, as, you know, a luxury, as something that is not that important, potentially a bit frivolous. But what we see in the community that we support is that wearing what makes you feel good And having that confidence of stepping outside into the world when you are going through a system really that is designed to strip you of all your dignity and all your agency, when you have a little bit of control and feel good in in yourself and what you're wearing, it really does give you that confidence that you need to face a lot of very difficult circumstances that the women and children in our community face. And It's possibly the number one feedback that we get from them is that they feel so much better and so much more self-confident and like they can actually step out into the world and not be judged by the way that they look. And that means a lot to them to be able to not have to worry about that. I think your idea of having confidence and the power confidence can have when you're in a system that's actively trying to take your confidence away is really is really powerful. And I know that from chats we've had in the past, it's a big part of what motivates you to do what you're doing and to build what you're building. You know, you talk a lot about 
frustration as a motivator for good. And, you know, there will be a lot of people listening right now who are feeling very angry, feeling very hopeless, frustrated at, you know, multiple sources of despair that we have in the world right now. Like, talk to me about the catalyst that inspired you to create Give Your Best and how you turned your frustration into action you know you took the confident bold move and turned Mm. that frustration and anger into action so talk to me about that yeah that's it's so interesting that you say it is it is a catalyst as well and also a driving force that can very much go either way it's not all I know exactly how to turn my frustration into confidence and action sometimes that frustration really takes over and I'm just like oh I don't know what to do (laughs) So it's a it's a journey for sure. But yes, I mean, at the start, so I had been volunteering supporting refugees in northern France in camps and also in, in the city where I live in Cambridge. And I did that right up until the first lockdown in 2020. And as time progressed, the frustration grew because as we realized that at the time, this was something that was there to stay, I realized that a lot of the community that I was supporting was becoming more and more isolated and was left behind more and more. And so I wanted to do something to support them. At the time, I was in touch with this one household of women that were seeking asylum. There were about eight of them in a house in a very isolated place in Wales, and they didn't have access to anything. And so talking to them, you know, I was asking them what what was it that they needed the most? And they actually mentioned that they didn't have any clothes and they didn't have any access to clothing. They didn't have money to go into town to try to get clothing either, because people may or may not know. But when people are seeking asylum, they receive around five pounds a day, which means that you have to choose between, you know, buying menstrual products or food or pay for a bus or buy clothes. So clothes a lot of the time get, you know, relegated to the very, very last, very last place. And so at the time, I remember thinking I had a lot of clothes myself and I had wanted to for them to go to to people who really needed them. And, uh, you know, charity clothes were closed at the time. And there is a time in, in a place and, you know, it's amazing that people take clothes to charity shops as well. But at the time, there had already been also a report that said that only 10 to 30 percent of items that are taken to charity shops get sold. And the rest ends up either abroad or in landfill or in other questionable circumstances. And so there was also at the time it kind of coincided with this general awareness of I'm not sure if I want to take them to a charity shop anymore. And so I had all these clothes and I got in touch with my friends and they had a lot of clothes. And so I thought, okay, well, you know, we have clothes. I'd rather give it to to this household of women. But at the same time, I thought, well, I don't want to just like send them just a bunch of random things that I don't know if they're going to like, if it's going to fit them. It might create even more of a problem for them if they, you know, if they can't make use of it. And so I call them and I ask them, what about if I take pictures of everything? I upload them to an Instagram page and then you can choose what you like. What is your size? What is your style? We did that just as a trial and they loved it. And one thing that really stuck with me at the time that kind of is that sort of frustration turned into action that spurs me 
if that one of them said we loved it it was a great experience but don't go through all of that trouble for us because we're in no position to say no to anything that you give us and I remember thinking you know even sometimes and I'm generalizing here but even sometimes us women it's difficult to assert our own decisions and I thought even after you start rebuilding your life and you get your status you might carry with you that sense of only being worth what you're given rather than being worth your own choices. And I thought, how about we start slowly restoring that one item of clothing at a time and actually give not only clothes, but choice and agency and that little bit of a sense of control by choosing what you want to wear and something that makes you feel good. And that really still really drives what we do as well. That tiny moment revealed so much about the problem that you're trying to solve and the nuance of the problem, right? It's not just about, here's lots of clothes, what would you like? It's about really understanding the mindset and the context that those people are showing up from. Absolutely. And from there, you know, we've had the community that we support involved in every step of everything that we do. When we created our platform for donation and for free shopping, we tried to make it as much of a shopping experience as possible just as a normal shopping experience like any other website but they don't have to pay for it so they can add things to cart and check out that sort of thing but they don't have to pay for it but also we wanted as well to kind of get rid of any sense of stigma or power imbalance or we wanted to kind of get rid of anything like that because Another something else that we got a lot of feedback from at the beginning was that people are very ashamed of asking for help and going to food banks and clothing banks and charities. And a lot of the time that kind of shame and stigma is what stops people asking for help. And so, I mean, with the best of intentions in the charity industry, there can sometimes be that power imbalance between the person who needs help and the one providing things and giving things rather than asking what the other person needs. Um, And I've seen this because I've volunteered with charities for a very long time. And that is something that we definitely wanted to kind of get rid of. And so for our platform, when someone wants to go and shop, all they see is, all of the clothes that are available to them. And on the other side, of course, you have the donors that are uploading things, but there's no kind of, we don't tell them what they can choose. You know, it's all out there for them to to make a decision. And when people ask us, you know, oh, I have this item of clothing. I don't know if people are going to like it. Should I upload it? Should I not? We always say to donors, upload everything and let people decide what they like. You never know what they want and what they like, so... And I can imagine that some of the refugee women that you support, that you've met along the way of this incredible journey, have really impacted you and touched you and changed your perception of different things, changed your relationship with things. Like, could you tell us some stories about you know, the impact that the relationships with these women has had on, on your life and your journey? Absolutely. I mean, I can safely say that that first trip to volunteer in camps in northern France probably now about five years ago or so it did change the course of my life that first time was it it just changed everything and I mean I I am also an immigrant I've now been in the UK for 16 years but I'm the type of immigrant that has the right in quotation marks passport Mm -hmm. meaning that 
no one questions it when I'm here and I mean it it never really sat right this kind of dichotomy of people consider my journey you know I lived in six countries I traveled a lot all the way to then settle here they think of my journey as adventurous whereas someone else that might have done a very similar journey for very different reasons is considered a criminal when really I could go back to my own country as you know some people are told to sometimes and those people that aren't always welcome they can't and the majority of them want to (laughs) and so that kind of double-sided you know double standards never sat right with me and the first time that I went to northern France and having already been very supportive of the course and immigration and interested in you know in different cultures etc I realized that actually I knew nothing about what was really happening and until you talk to a person with lived experience of anything but in this case of displacement, you really have no idea. And that kind of showed me that reading headlines, being on social media, all of these things doesn't really give you an idea of what is actually happening. The only thing that gives you an idea is talking to people. And so that's kind of where that journey started. And since then, I just, I really feel me, I feel privilege to know the women that I know and that they trust me with their stories and I'm in so many cases I'm one of the first people that they message to tell me that they receive the refugee status and you know we do a little team party every time especially when there's some of our volunteers and it it just it really does keep me going because this journey of founding a startup and a not-for-profit startup is is really hard and it's when I talk to our community and our volunteers and the people that we support that I realize it doesn't matter how hard it is you know our work is needed and it really does keep me going some of the women that we support and especially some of the ones that I got to know more because they are our volunteers and part of our team, etc. You know, some of them waited four years, three years, two years to receive the refugee status in really horrific conditions, not being able to work in terrible accommodation, going through a horrible system. And I think something that in general is not known by the general public is that once you arrive in the UK, just because you might be physically safe in a country that isn't at war, doesn't mean that you are safe in other ways you know psychologically people that arrive here they don't just want to be safe the absence of safety it's not the only way in which a human can thrive you know they want to study to work to have their own home to rebuild their lives and that can take such a long time so it's kind of like another journey when they get here and if we can make that a tiny little bit more bearable by taking away the worry of where they're going to get clothes, then, you know, why wouldn't we do it? What advice would you give to someone who has a social impact idea or has an idea for a charity or is in that place where they have the insight and the connection to the problem, they maybe have tested the bare bones of an idea, but they just don't know what to do next. And they also don't necessarily feel full of confidence to drive this thing into fruition what would your advice to them be 
I would have a couple of different levels of advice, one on a personal level and on the confidence level and self-belief side of things. From my experience, you have to be prepared for this to be up and down. You're not always going to believe that you're doing the right thing. You're not always going to be pushing forward. I mean, for me, is on a weekly basis. I'll have a super high one day where we get a grant or we win an award or a competition or we get incredible feedback from our community. And then two days later, three things go wrong and you think, what am I doing? I don't know what's going on. We're going to fail. And it is a roller coaster. And this whole roller coaster is new to me because I had never done anything like this before. I mean, my career was in academia. I've been working at universities for my entire life. And so I never driven my own organization. I'd always been paid a salary. I didn't even know that I could generate that myself (laughs) from doing good. But also that means that, you know, there's a lot of, one has a lot of responsibilities that you don't know how to deal with. And that's okay. It's okay to not know how to deal with certain things, especially when you're learning how to run an organization, a business, a charity, whatever it is. And I personally really enjoy the learning journey. I've been learning so much for the past three years. I've taken every course under the sun. And this goes into the second side of it, which is more practical advice for people that want to do something like this. There are so many incubators, accelerators, programs that are free or even come with some sort of financial support that are incredible. I didn't know that this whole side of education existed. I kind of, having worked at university my whole life, thought that's it. That's the only way in which you can learn things, just go to university. And now I've discovered that there's this whole world of alternative ways in which you can learn and programs and incubators and things like that that are very, very useful. And I've basically haven't stopped taking those courses for the past two and a half years. And he has given me a lot of confidence and he has taught me a lot. And doing programs like yours, actually, I've I've done yours as well with my team, the one that you had for charities earlier in the year. That is super helpful as well, doing that sort of course, doing practicing presentation skills, practicing pitching. I've had to do so much pitching over the last, especially the last year. Practice, fail, be okay with it and keep going. <laughs> That's the motto show up things will go really great things will go really bad show up again things will go really great things will go really bad show up again <laughs> absolutely um, I agree with more that's that's really the <laughs> the cycle and I mean I still sometimes take the defeats in not such a gracious way potentially (laughs) you know it's still hard because it's something that you really love and that you work really hard on and you believe on and sometimes people tell you that they don't like your idea and it's hard not to take it personally because it is personal (laughs) but it does take it does get better over time and I think I personally have learned have become more confident in accepting that criticism and using it to improve for next time feedback is a gift right as the saying goes but it's also I I delivered a session yesterday for a group of entrepreneurs in Scotland and we were talking about feedback and I think it's also important to hold on to the idea that not all feedback is true I always think of it as like you need to put it through a sieve and find the gold nuggets that you know are true Mm -hmm. and that you know you can work with and then you take action 
on them because people will say to me you know what's the magic ingredient like how have you created this online course that has this impact and the the scale associated with it and I do think that one of the reasons why is our obsession with feedback it's like constantly asking what did you like what did you not like how can we make it better next time and iterating like we'll never be done you know we're we're tweaking and polishing Mm. every single time And I know that I think a lot of people might use that language or preach that idea, but the practice of it is, it's a lot of work and it takes a lot of vulnerability and I guess confidence to stay rooted in the bigger picture and the vision. And yeah, I did want to ask you, because I know we've been so honoured to support some of your team at Give Your Best, some of your volunteers, some of the refugees you support. Could you share a little bit about the value that you witnessed being created through them taking part in the bond? Because we yeah. have Bond 8 is next September, which is a still a wee while away, but tickets are on sale and people are buying their tickets now, getting set up for next September. Absolutely. And also, before I start talking about Bond, I wanted to talk personally about you and how you actually were one of our first donors when we first launched I still remember receiving all of your clothes when I was the person sorting all of the clothes because I was essentially it was me and two other people in a team now there's about 75 of us but I still remember getting all of your clothes and taking pictures of all of your items sending them off to their new homes and getting pictures back of the women wearing your clothes and feeling amazing so I wanted to acknowledge that you've been with us since the very start it's really special and it's funny because I remember just being so of course this is what I should do like it was such a no-brainer of why is this not always been there why is this just not (laughs) what we all do like it felt so much better than chucking stuff in a bag and taking it to a charity shop and obviously you know that's why the platform's having the success that it's had but I am honored to have played a part in those (laughs) early days very early days absolutely and it was when you were moving, right? And that's why you sent all the clothes, because you were moving abroad. And I was also doing that thing where, you know, my body is a totally different shape since I had a baby. I mean, he's nearly right. six now. But when I sent you those clothes, he was two. And I was doing that thing where I'm like, yeah, but one day I'll get back into all these clothes. And then I just thought, you know what? They're just they're making me sad. It's like I'm not ever going to be in those clothes again. And I don't want to have this daily reminder of the shape I used to be and the shape I am now and all that jazz. And so it was partly that and partly moving and trying to be a bit ruthless on do I really want to trick? Like, what do I really want? to take with me to another country and also on that note as well that is about confidence too they're kind of giving up the idea of maybe one day I'll fit into these clothes and actually being like no I'm the way I am now things change bodies change that's okay and I kind of went through a similar system and I go through kind of like that sort of cycle I try to do it once a year and Of course, I'm always very glad that I created the platform that I created. So I have a place to send all the clothes. And it actually feels really good because sometimes you might feel like, oh, you're giving away all these clothes and in in that Mm -hmm. feeling of maybe I'll fit into it one day. But when you know that it's going to someone else and that on the other side of the package you're sending is a woman 
that has your same sense of style that could use those clothes it feels like you're doing a good thing rather than than a difficult thing it's really powerful I wonder I mean I'm sure you've thought of this in fact I'm more than sure you'll have thought of it but what if you partner with Vinted we are that's another side of what we do actually so this Mm -hmm. I'm kind of talking about the whole social side of the social enterprise which is our our free platform and peer-to-peer donation Mm -hmm. but on the other hand we have uh give your best enterprise which is where we actually partner with with corporates with brands with retailers so that what we can do is ensure that any unsold stock or clothes that might otherwise go to waste are actually redistributed via our platform. And so they contribute to alleviating clothing poverty rather than contribute to landfill. And so that is something that we are developing now. And we offer the service to brands, to retailers, and it's, it's a paid partnership service, of course. And we then in turn give impact reporting that is aligned to sustainable development goals, to legislation, all sorts of things. And that is the the side of the business that is generating the revenue to support all of the kind of charitable and free services that we offer to our community and essentially really the more clothes we get the more people we can support it's a very like easy tangible impact that we have so for brands it's very easy for them to make a difference essentially and so yeah so we are discussing with all sorts of vintage and other platforms and brands and businesses currently I want to bring it back because you asked me about Bond and about the impact that is had on the team. And I want us not to forget that because I want everybody to be part of of the Bond because it was amazing. And especially, I think, doing it with our team, which, you know, we have a predominantly volunteer team, nearly entirely volunteer team. And a lot of the women from our community that we support are also part of the team. And it was such an amazing team experience because as a very young startup and grassroots organization, we are unfortunately not in a position to offer too much development and opportunities to our team because we don't have the funds to do so. And so for all of us to be able to do this program together, I think it was a great experience for all of us. You know, we had our own little group within the Slack in our organization to talk about all the things we were learning and that we wanted to get out of it. And volunteers actually, in a way, I think two volunteers, we lost them because they got new jobs. <laughs> but, it's, it, mm-hmm. but it was a good outcome, even though, you know, they got new jobs because they actually put themselves out there and took a lot of the learnings from the bond to be able to do that. So yeah, it, it was a, a really, really great experience to do together. Oh, I love that. And so it brings me nicely onto my last question that I'd love to ask you, Saul, which is when we up front achieve our mission of supporting a million women, so a million women going through the bond, having the experience that you and your team did, how would the world be different from your vantage point? It makes me a little bit emotional to hear you that you want to support a million women. (laughs) It's amazing. I mean, we in our very small way want to also support women to to be confident and to gain that sense Mm -hmm. of self-worth etc so yeah it's just such an amazing mission but I think as I was saying before kind of changing perceptions and empowering women if there's something that I've seen in the work that we do and you know at a smaller scale 
compared to what you do. But when you actually encourage and empower women and show them that it's okay to either look your best, to give your best, to assert your decisions, your choices, etc., people really just shine and blossom and continue paying it forward. I mean, it might happen with men as well. I'm not sure. But, you know, we primarily work with women. And I've seen that time and time again, how people just really pay it forward and continue supporting other women. And the more that they receive, the more that they give. That's something that I've noticed. So how does give your best work in terms of geographic locations? Because we have listeners all over the world. Absolutely. So at the moment, unfortunately, we only operate in the UK. We get a lot of interest from other countries. And it's definitely in our five-year plan to Mm -hmm. start expanding internationally. But at the moment, it's only in the UK. So for any listeners in the UK that want to get involved, there are a couple of ways to do so. The main way is if you have one, two, three items of clothing that you don't wear in your wardrobe, is such an easy way to make a difference in someone else's life. You literally take a picture on your phone and you can upload it to our platform directly from your phone. You then in your account can see all the items that you've donated and follow where to send it if the person has received it. So you can see everything there. So that's one way. The other way is, of course, we're volunteer led. So We have a team of 74 women volunteering with us, supporting over 3,000 women and children at the moment. And so we always take volunteers. There are vacancies on our website. But we also have this network across the UK of what we call our Give Your Besties. And what our besties do is they act as community points and collection points within their neighborhood, their mm-hmm. city. And so they can, for example, do a clothing collection within their community work, etc. Or whenever we have um, a person that, for example, is moving and has a couple of bags of clothing and doesn't have the time to upload everything themselves, we match them with one of our besties and then the besties does the uploading things and sending things so there we're kind of have like mini fulfillment centers all across the uk in people's houses we're always looking for more people to do that if you have a little bit of spare room in your house and a little bit of spare time even just a couple of hours a week then that is also a great way to support us and yeah that's those are the primary ways or anyone listening who works someone who might want us to come and organize a volunteer event at work or a talk or anything like that or that works for a brand that might want to partner with us then that's another way to support as well oh I love that there's so many options so many ways we can support give your best I know every single one of you has got at least one beautiful piece of clothing that doesn't fit you anymore that you don't wear so get on the app and give it to give your best Thank you for tuning in to this week's Upfront Moment. Before I say goodbye, I want to remind you to follow Upfront on Instagram and join the other 5,000 women all over the world who get our weekly newsletter. Go to weareupfront.com to find out more. Bye friends, I'll see you on Monday for your next Upfront Moment.